This is day 140 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Isaiah chapters 17 through 21. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the multitude of blessings that we have, that we so often take for granted. We thank you for this new day of life, these fresh mercies that you give us every morning. We just thank you for the reminder of your goodness. As we enter into your word today, Lord, we know that we are spared from your eternal judgment. But Lord, may that spur us on to share the gospel more fervently, knowing that the people around us that don't know you will be separated from you forever. May that mean something to us today, Lord. As we enter into this word, please make this more powerful in our hearts and to be more aware of the reality around us. Please bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. The Oracle Concerning Damascus Behold, Damascus is about to be removed from being a city, and it will become a fallen ruin. The cities of Arwer are forsaken. They will be for flocks to lie down in, and there will be no one to frighten them. The fortified city will disappear from Ephraim and sovereignty from Damascus, and the remnant of Aram. They will be like the glory of the sons of Israel, declares the Lord of hosts. Now in that day the glory of Jacob will fade, and the fatness of his flesh will become lean. It will be even like the reaper gathering the standing grain, as his arm harvests the ears. Or it will be like one gleaning ears of grain in the valley of Rephaim. Yet gleanings will be left in it like the shaking of an olive tree, two or three olives on the topmost bow, four or five on the branches of a fruitful tree, declares the Lord, the God of Israel. In that day man will have regard for his Maker, and his eyes will look to the Holy One of Israel. He will not have regard for the altars, the works of his hands, nor will he look to that which his fingers have made even the asherim and incense stands. In that day, their strong cities will be like forsaken places in the forests, or like branches which they abandoned before the sons of Israel. And the land will be a desolation. For you have forgotten the God of your salvation, and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Therefore you plant delightful plants, and set them with vine slips of a strange God. In the day that you plant it, you carefully fence it in, and in the morning you bring your seed to blossom. But the harvest will be a heap, in the day of sickliness and incurable pain. Alas, the uproar of many peoples who roar like the roaring of the seas, and the rumbling of nations who rush on like the rumbling of mighty waters. The nations rumble on like the rumbling of many waters, but he will rebuke them, and they will flee far away, and be chased like chaff in the mountains before the wind, or like whirling dust before a gale. At evening time, behold, there is terror. Before morning, they are no more. Such will be the portion of those who plunder us, and the lot of those who pillage us. Alas, O land of whirring wings, which lies beyond the rivers of Cush, 
which sends envoys by the sea, even in papyrus vessels on the surface of the waters? Go, swift messengers, to a nation tall and smooth, to a people feared far and wide, a powerful and oppressive nation whose land the rivers divide. All you inhabitants of the world and dwellers on earth, as soon as a standard is raised on the mountains, you will see it. And as soon as the trumpet is blown, you will hear it. For thus the Lord has told me. I will look from my dwelling place quietly, like dazzling heat on the sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. For before the harvest, as soon as the bud blossoms, and the flower becomes a ripening grape, then he will cut off the sprigs with pruning knives, and remove and cut away the spreading branches. They will be left together for mountain birds of prey, and for the beasts of the earth, and the birds of prey will spend the summer feeding on them, and all the beasts of the earth will spend harvest time on them. At that time, a gift of homage will be brought to the Lord of hosts, from a people tall and smooth, even from a people feared far and wide, a powerful and oppressive nation, whose land the rivers divide, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, even Mount Zion. The Oracle Concerning Egypt Behold, the Lord is riding on a swift cloud and is about to come to Egypt. The idols of Egypt will tremble at his presence, and the heart of the Egyptians will melt within them. So I will incite Egyptians against Egyptians, and they will each fight against his brother and each against his neighbor, city against city and kingdom against kingdom. Then the spirit of the Egyptians will be demoralized within them, and I will confound their strategy, so that they will resort to idols and ghosts of the dead, and to mediums and spiritists. Moreover, I will deliver the Egyptians into the hand of a cruel master, and a mighty king will rule over them, declares the Lord God of hosts. The waters from the sea will dry up, and the rivers will be parched and dry. The canals will emit a stench. The streams of Egypt will thin out and dry up. The reeds and rushes will rot away. The bulrushes by the Nile, by the edge of the Nile, and all the sown fields by the Nile will become dry, be driven away, and be no more. And the fishermen will lament, and all those who cast a line into the Nile will mourn, and those who spread nets on the waters will pine away. Moreover, the manufacturers of linen made from combed flax and the weavers of white cloth will be utterly dejected and the pillars of Egypt will be crushed. All the hired laborers will be grieved in soul. The princes of Zoan are mere fools. The advice of Pharaoh's wisest advisers has become stupid. How can you men say to Pharaoh, I am a son of the wise, a son of ancient kings? Well then, where are your wise men? Please let them tell you. 
and let them understand what the Lord of hosts has purposed against Egypt. The princes of Zoan have acted foolishly. The princes of Memphis are deluded. Those who are the cornerstone of her tribes have led Egypt astray. The Lord has mixed within her a spirit of distortion. They have led Egypt astray in all that it does, as a drunken man staggers in his vomit. There will be no work for Egypt, which its head or tail, its palm branch or bulrush may do. In that day, the Egyptians will become like women, and they will tremble and be in dread because of the waving of the hand of the Lord of hosts which he is going to wave over them. The land of Judah will become a terror to Egypt. Everyone to whom it is mentioned will be in dread of it, because of the purpose of the Lord of hosts, which he is purposing against them. In that day, five cities in the land of Egypt will be speaking the language of Canaan and swearing allegiance to the Lord of hosts. One will be called the city of destruction. In that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar to the Lord near its border. It will become a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt, for they will cry to the Lord because of oppressors, and he will send them a savior and a champion, and he will deliver them. Thus the Lord will make himself known to Egypt, and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day. They will even worship with sacrifice and offering, and will make a vow to the Lord and perform it. The Lord will strike Egypt, striking but healing, so that they will return to the Lord, and he will respond to them and will heal them. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrians will come into Egypt and the Egyptians into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be the third party with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people and Assyria the work of my hands, and Israel my inheritance. In the year that the commander came to Ashdod, when Sargon the king of Assyria sent him, and he fought against Ashdod and captured it, at that time the Lord spoke through Isaiah the son of Amoz, saying, Go and loosen the sackcloth from your hips, and take your shoes off your feet. And he did so, going naked and barefoot. And the Lord said, Even as my servant Isaiah has gone naked and barefoot three years as a sign and token against Egypt and Cush, so the king of Assyria will lead away the captives of Egypt and the exiles of Cush, young and old, naked and barefoot, with buttocks uncovered, to the shame of Egypt. Then they will be dismayed and ashamed because of Cush, their hope, and Egypt, their boast. So the inhabitants of this coastland will say in that day, 
Behold, such is our hope, where we fled for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria. And we, how shall we escape? The Oracle Concerning the Wilderness of the Sea As windstorms in the Negev sweep on, it comes from the wilderness, from a terrifying land. A harsh vision has been shown to me. The treacherous one still deals treacherously, and the destroyer still destroys. Go up, Elam. Lay siege, Media. I have made an end of all the groaning she has caused. For this reason, my loins are full of anguish. Pains have seized me like the pains of a woman in labor. I am so bewildered I cannot hear, so terrified I cannot see. My mind reels. Horror overwhelms me. The twilight I longed for has been turned for me into trembling. They set the table. They spread out the cloth. They eat. They drink. Rise up, captains. Oil the shields. For thus the Lord says to me, Go, station the lookout. Let him report what he sees. When he sees riders, horsemen in pairs, a train of donkeys, a train of camels, let him pay close attention, very close attention. Then the lookout called, O Lord, I stand continually by day on the watchtower, and I am stationed every night at my guard post. Now behold, here comes a troop of riders, horsemen in pairs. And one said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, and all the images of her gods are shattered on the ground. O my threshed people, and my afflicted of the threshing floor, what I have heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I make known to you. The Oracle Concerning Edom One keeps calling to me from Seir. Watchman, how far gone is the night? Watchman, how far gone is the night? The watchman says, Morning comes, but also night. If you would inquire, inquire. Come back again. The Oracle About Arabia In the thickets of Arabia you must spend the night, O caravans of Dedanites. Bring water for the thirsty, O inhabitants of the land of Tamah. Meet the fugitive with bread, for they have fled from the swords, from the drawn sword, and from the bent bow, and from the press of battle. For thus the Lord said to me, In a year, as a hired man would count it, all the splendor of Kedar will terminate, and the remainder of the number of bowmen, the mighty men of the sons of Kedar, will be few, for the Lord God of Israel has spoken. Okay, so it shouldn't take that long to talk about today's because there's not too much to expand upon that isn't already said here. But let's look at what we have in chapter 17. So we see that this is the oracle concerning Damascus. All right, so if we looked at what happened in 
the readings that we've done in the past with the Chronicles and with the Kings, there was the name of one particular king named Tiglath-Pileser. And he was the one that was actually going to conquer Damascus. And because Damascus at the time is the nation of Aram, the Arameans. And so after they are conquered, then we see the northern kingdom of Israel be conquered. So at this time, Syria or Aram, either one, is it's the same thing essentially at this time, and their ally Israel is under judgment by God at this point. We see that in the middle of the prophecy in verse 7, that there will be some people who will turn back to the Lord, which is good. We want some people to turn back to the Lord, because that's the whole reason why God does this stuff. He does it to punish his people, yes, but he also does it in order to put them in a state of destitution and breaking their will so that their spirits will be available to hear the word of God. And so often he has to shatter our pride and our arrogance in order to get through to us. So this is an illustration of that very thing. So we see that they're going to have some hard times ahead, and we know that this is going to be coming very soon from the time Isaiah does it. Okay, so then in chapter 18, we have a prophecy against the nation of Cush. Now, Cush is today the area of Sudan, which is south of Egypt. So this is where that area is. And sometimes this is referred to as Ethiopia. But in this particular time period, this is called Cush. And they were known for being... Um, smooth and tall people. They had that smooth, dark skin, not really hairy people, and they were really tall and handsome. So they were known for their beauty and for their beautiful black skin. So that was what is being referred to here. And although God has pronounced a certain judgment against these people, you see them respond yet again. Look at the end of chapter 18. It says, At that time, a gift of homage will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth, even from a people feared far and wide, because they were known for being valiant warriors. Now, when is this going to happen? It's kind of hard to tell because it hasn't happened yet. So it may very well be the millennial kingdom, because in typical Isaiah fashion, sometimes he'll jump from what's going to happen in the near future to what's going to happen in the far future, which is the Millennial Kingdom. Chapter 19 goes into the pronouncement of judgment against Egypt. Now what's interesting about this one is this also was directly fulfilled, of course, because God has pronounced it, but this happened about 50 years after what we see happen to the nation of Israel and to Damascus. And this was done by the king of Assyria, Esarhaddon. He is the one who conquered Egypt roughly about 670 BC. This is, there are plenty of historical documents that support this. We see that first they're going to end in economical disaster in the middle of the chapter. 
and then these famous men of Egypt are going to be unable to avert this disaster, and the Lord is going to confuse them where they're fighting themselves. And what's most interesting of all, I thought, was at the second half of the prophecy of Egypt, he treats them with such favor. I don't know why. And that's what I thought that was very odd in the way that he's doing this. Perhaps because of what they did for hosting Abraham's and Jacob's family back in those days for a couple of hundred years. I don't know. But that Egypt is going to be an ally of Israel. Egypt looks like it will share, if you look at verse 16, In that day the Egyptians will become like women. They will tremble and be in dread because of the waving of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which he is going to wave over them. Usually when you see someone waving something over something, that's usually a pronouncement of a blessing. Or in the event of the tabernacle or the temple, they would wave, they'll do a wave offering, right? They wave something to the Lord. But in this case, the Lord is waving over them. And then it says in verse 18, In that day, five cities in the land of Egypt will be speaking the language of Canaan and swearing allegiance to the Lord of hosts. Nice. And one will be called the city of destruction. Not quite sure which one that is, but the best guess for that one is the city Heliopolis, which was formerly dedicated to the worship of the sun god, but will now be worshiping the true god. So it looks like that either in the near future from our time or in the Millennial Kingdom, most likely the Millennial Kingdom, they will rebel against God and he will punish them for their disobedience. But he intends to heal them, which I thought is very interesting. He wants to strike Egypt, like you see in verse 22. The Lord will strike Egypt, striking but healing. Isn't that what he does for those who he loves? That's why he does it to us. He strikes us sometimes, but he will heal us in order for us to learn the lesson and to show his grace on us. And they will return. They will repent and return. That is beautiful. We want to see that happen to everyone. But we see that the Egyptians will be one of those people. Very nice. In chapter 20, it's a rather short chapter, but it looks like it's addressed to Assyria again. But we see something very weird. Isaiah is to dress like a prisoner of war for three years. And not only is this representative of what's going to happen to Egypt and Cush, like it says in verse 3, but he had to be naked and barefoot for three years as a prisoner of war. That's very strange, but that is something that was done to be a sign of what was going to happen to these nations. And lastly, we have chapter 21, which refers to three particular nations. We see Babylon yet again being addressed here as a reminder that Persia is going to conquer them. And we see this is not God talking in some of this. Some of it is Isaiah himself. And, for example, you see in verse 3 and 4, he's looking at all this destruction. He's looking at all this stuff that's going to happen to these people. And what does he say? For this reason, my loins are full of anguish, 
pain has seized me i am so bewildered my mind reels horror overwhelms me punishment and sin is ugly so certainly we don't want to be in the midst of that but if we do see it let it be a lesson to us let's not follow in their footsteps but what i thought was interesting is that you see in verse 5 and then you see a little bit later on in verse 9 you see some direct correlations with other prophecies like verse 5 this exact kind of language was also described in the book of daniel they set the table they spread out the cloth rise up captains oil the shields daniel was also prophesying the oiling of the shields you would oil leather shields to prevent cracking and to prepare for battle they were preparing for war and then the other correlation is in verse 9 and if you read the book of revelation even if just from a superficial view you can see that this exact language is in there fallen fallen is babylon and all the images of her gods are shattered on the ground you'll see that very same language coming from the book of revelation around between chapters 14 through 18, if I'm not mistaken. So very interesting how we know this is all one cohesive narrative. Like I've said before, we can't forget that. It is one God and one narrative. He uses different people to explain his narrative, but this is all one narrative leading to something special, which is the end times. Special in the way that it's going to be unique of an experience, but at the same time, it's going to be devastating for those who don't know God. We know that. It is going to be utter chaos and utter destruction for those that don't know the Lord. We will be blessed to not have to deal with that. So our hope is that we will be raptured before any of that happens. Meet the Lord in the air and go home. The church will hopefully be delivered. And I say hopefully because I believe it will, but I know some people have different views of the millennial kingdom, when it will happen, how it should be interpreted in eschatology, so I'm not going to debate about it. I kind of left it open-ended on that, but my personal belief is we are pre-millennial. I believe that the church will be raptured and the tribulation will happen before the millennial kingdom, but that's just me. So after Babylon was declared to fall, then you see two other short judgments against Edom, which again is the nation that was founded by Esau. And then we see another short judgment against Arabia, which they are related to Israel because Arabia was created by Ishmael, the half-brother of Isaac. But they had the same dad. They had Abraham as their father. And we see that the Arab judgment is going to happen pretty quickly. It says, in a year, the splendor of Kedar will terminate. So there was a powerful Arabic tribe in that day, which was stationed near the, their capital of Kedar. It will be devastated in a year. It's going to be swift. There are more nations and more places that are going to be judged. We're not out of the woods yet. But the best is still to come in Isaiah. I'm looking forward to that.
And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.